0: Hello, everybody. It's the h word. I'm Becky.
1: Hey, I'm Dan. How you doing, Dan? Ugh, oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, not not great.
0: Yeah, uh, it's been a pretty it's been a pretty disturbing week.
1: Yeah, been a lot of um. It's been a lot happening.
0: Yeah. Um. So this week, uh, I really struggled with whether or not we should release an episode. There's um, for anyone, I guess in the future, if you're listening back to this, um, what's happening right now, there's large protests globally um, that kind of were or triggered by at first the killing of a black man in Minneapolis by the police, George Floyd, and you know, since have come to encompass a centuries old insidious problem that we all have of systemic racism. What's that?
1: We do all have it, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But this has been a week of big protests that have affected some pretty quick and impressive change. Um, But also, the real ask is that we all sit in a place of understanding that this is going on, it's not going away, and that anyone in these societies who's white is complicit in it, or he's not black, and um yeah. Yeah, and
1: it's really highlighted the, the the viciousness of the of police brutality. Yeah. Um because it has uh, everything has escalated. Um and it's uh pretty pretty yeah, like you say, disturbing to see um uh people meant to serve the community um completely attacking the community. Uh, it's disturbing and, to
0: see the president of the United States tear gassing peaceful protesters so that he can make a promotional video for you, possibly yeah, you, sign- signaling evangelicals. I don't know what the goal is there, but
1: utilizing the military to do that and like, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that I think comes with uh, waking up to um, the idea of the power of racism is when you start to experience it yourself, even a small taste of it, uh, or the, you experience the level of oppression and and uh, fear that comes with living under that kind of state. Um, and when you do truly feel it in yourself and you're able to understand that that's what people of color have been experiencing forever, you realize very quickly that this is no way to live.
0: Yeah. 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 Um... And it's, you know, watching from Toronto has been, it's weird. Um, stuff's happening here. Also, um, you know, we're recording on Friday. Yes. For Monday release. So if there's something we didn't mention, that might be why. We don't know what the future holds. Um, but but yeah, understanding... Um, just the level of of violence and not giving a shit about humanity that's been happening at the hands of police this week.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And it's been, you know, very, all of that stuff has been very disturbing and traumatic and, 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 um, hopefully will cause permanent change. But there is, there's also this other side of, of hopefulness where causes like, um, abolishing the police and, uh defunding the police and 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 changing the the relationship that the community has to the idea of feeling safe um has you know it's it's a it's a cause that has um gotten more energy than i've ever seen
0: yeah yeah and um and it's been pretty amazing to watch platforms like twitter and instagram be very quickly utilized to show the videos that the news isn't playing about what's going on, to spread resources and information, insight, things you can do, places to donate. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that we all live in online bubbles, but my bubble right now is pretty um, on message about, you know, ev- everyone sort of shut up about what they cook tonight.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. What was maybe, maybe uh, there's an example, like maybe there's one example for you that um, you found to be really effective. What do you uh, mean,
0: like so- something that was shared? Some
1: sort of, yeah, some sort of piece. like for me, for oh, me, I guess.
0: My phone's ringing.
1: That's good. Okay. Your phone's ringing. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> oh, tore is in his office. He should get it.
1: It really sounds like an old landline, and I just imagine your old apartment having <laughs> a landline.
0: Okay. It is an old landline.
1: <laughs> it is?
0: Yeah. And I have, um, <laughs> we have a wall mount. There was a wall mount, Jack, when we got here, so we we got a wall mount phone. <laughs> it keeps ringing during zoom meetings too. <laughs> it's always I his mom or like some sort of weird phone spam. Okay. Funny. Anyway.
1: Um, yeah. So for me, the, the little thing that, um, I found really effective was this idea of defunding the police because it was something that I'd heard about and I had always thought like, yeah, but how is that possible? Like, it just felt so instantiated. And, you know, I've had to look at myself and my own affection for the police in fiction and uh, media, oh, Yeah, you know, and, and I, I just was like, how oh, is that's so that's so far away. And then reading these articles that have been sort of put in front of me by people, whether they're directly in my circle or they've been put into my circle by my circle. Um, then it's like I was it was pretty quick before I was like, oh, yeah, that can that could happen and that could be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That one was a very quick change for me too. I mean, you know, seeing that idea of defunding the police, um, and then, you know, read a couple of articles and you're like, okay, I really, I really get this. And especially, it's really hard not to get it when you see what's going on right now. Um, and I mean, I have to say, I've been in situations where I didn't want to call the police because it was mental health stuff involved. And I really didn't, that's not who you should be calling.
1: Right. Yes. And I, and I have had to admit that I, have felt protected by the police, and I have to realize that that feeling is essentially anti-black. Oh,
0: I have twice in my life been just given a ride home by the police just to be nice. Right. And I need people to understand that. I need white people to understand that when they see what's going on on TV right now. Yeah. And know that you might have been able to just get a ride home after some guy was like, what's going on? I don't know. I'm waiting for the bus. I mean, that's weird as hell also, but
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The it, it, Like I just never, I was never able to complete the thought in my head that police were there to protect me, but I wasn't able to complete the rest of the sentence, which is from black people or like from people of color. Yeah. Like yeah. there was that, that was missing. And yeah. so once you sort of are able to see that that's the rest of the sentence, it's like, okay, that's a problem.
0: Yeah. Um, And so for me, I guess uh, a big thing that I've taken away from this week, from all the listening and learning I've done, which was new for me, is this notion that, you know, there was sort of a call to silence white noise, which is the like, you know, just pictures of your kids and you having fun and stuff, but not to be silent just because you're afraid that you might support wrongly or say the wrong thing. I think it's important to add. I mean, based on some personal conversations I've had in this last week that were like really uncomfortable, where I realized that friends very much don't seem to agree about things like defunding the police or giving black people space right now, I realize it's important to keep talking about this. Like,
1: yeah. I saw something interesting. I think both you and I were watching. There was a check-in on of Black improvisers um, across America or across North America last night online.
0: It was hosted by Dad's Garage and their artistic director John Carr.
1: Yes, and I think it was Carl Tart who mentioned um, this idea of eating at Black-owned eateries. He saw a list of Black-owned businesses in L.A. that. it was like, support these businesses. And he was like, you haven't been going to these businesses? And then he was like, oh, of course they have. Of course, white people haven't because they feel, um, you know, there's any kind, any any modicum of discomfort going into an all black restaurant or something. And and he was like, you have to go to these places and you are probably going to get looked at or like called out or like um, sort of muttered at. And he was like, yeah, or well, you we might, get, we, like
0: it's just a concern that even you might is too yeah. much discomfort.
1: Yeah, and he was like, but we get that all the time, and we have to fight through that. And like, I even I was like trying to like even put an asterisk on what he was saying by being like, no, but I don't want to be the colonizer who like goes into that space. And it's like I have to even throw that away too. You know, like I have to just go. I have to just do these things in the spirit of. Trying to help and be vulnerable, and there's gonna it's it's not gonna be all free of bumps.
0: And and you're not just gonna like. The other thing is like, and do these things, and don't expect praise.
1: Yes, don't (laughs) expect praise, and I need praise (laughs) so much.
0: performers, but like (laughs) like, and don't don't expect that you're going to also maybe be corrected all the time. Maybe you're just gonna be out there doing something stupid. Yeah. Um, if someone has the generosity to correct you, take it. But also know that like you you have to try. You have, you know you you have to. Yeah. Sp- and and this is the sort of the tension I've been feeling this week of like should we release this? Are we just adding more white blubber blabbering to yeah. this or? Is it really important, like listeners? I love you. I don't know who you are, but like maybe somebody needs to hear some of these thoughts, and we'll post links and resources, and some of our favorite articles that we found, and some charities to donate to. These are all really good actions. But like maybe maybe it is important for people to know that you and I feel this way and have learned this much, and that it's
1: yeah. And I think and I think I think just being vulnerable, like we're not like you know we're not. We're not doing this at the expense of anyone else. It's just out there and and uh, just being vulnerable and uh, as open as we can be. Then it's like maybe someone resonates with that and that helps them in this struggle.
0: Yeah. Because – and this has been um, interestingly like a theme that's been bubbling up on the podcast in general and in the more recent conversations is discomfort yeah learn to love it and just know that when we talk about sort of sharing more and like you know people of privilege have had too much people of color have had too little well we've had too much comfort yeah and giving yeah. some of that up is really important it feels like
1: yeah it's really important and i just have to be i i just have to be honest that It's that for me, it's very tiring. Like today I was like tired of that. And, um, I guess I just need to put it out there that that happens too.
0: I, yeah, I watched, um, I was watching an Instagram live with Andrew Johnston and Brandon Ash Mohammed. where Brandon, I'm sorry, this is just a burn on you, but he was just like, he's like all these white people saying they're tired, which is real, but he's like, you just got here yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know. You know? I
1: know. I know it's not fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. But – and, like, I mean, the also the, like, the call to have those uncomfortable conversations and, like, there's there's that part of me that's like, well, I don't want to speak on behalf of somebody else's cause. But the other thing is, like, I have the fucking energy and time to do it and to take this on. It's not going to hurt me so profoundly to have these conversations with people, with white people about, like (laughs) – what they should what we should be looking at in ourselves yeah um do you want to hear an interview i would love that okay this interview needs some context because we recorded it two weeks ago so if you if you're wondering why we don't talk about any of these issues at all that's why um it's with the wonderful marito lopez excellent he is lovely i love him so much and um let's listen to where we were at two weeks ago sounds great okay bye dan okay bye Hey everybody, it's Becky. I'm back, and I'm very excited to be talking to my buddy from across the city, Marito Antonio Lopez. Marito, how are you doing? Woo, I'm a good man. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm up and down.
2: Yeah. I
0: I I'm okay. I feel pretty grateful and lucky and stuff to have a home and things.
2: Yeah, 1000.
0: Um so usually I start by asking my guests to introduce themselves so that I don't have to define who you are. So who are you in this world, buddy?
2: Oh my god what a question <laughs> To start it off yo uh, I'm I, I'm marito Lopez. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian uh, right now I'm not a stand-up comedian so uh, right. I'm just a, a struggling writer/ artist who's trying to find my voice.
0: Whoa, that's who you feel like you are.
2: Yeah, you know like I'm I, I've been writing a blog. While this is happening, you know, I've uh, I've also been like j- just like writing sketches and scripts and stuff, which is like something I'm not really used to.
0: Yeah, I've read the, some of the blog. I was gonna actually bring that up later, but you posted, you've been posting some pretty intense, beautiful stuff.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's always something I, I was interested in. You know, like uh, just writing and just putting my story out there. I love. I went to school for for English, so.
0: Oh really? Let's actually, what's your story? What's your, what's your family story and what's your story, Marito?
2: So, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm Salvadorian. My family, uh, was born in El Salvador and, uh, we, we were there for like about four years, but I remember all of it because, uh, I was, uh, I, I was like, you know, like when you're a young kid, you like remember like very crazy things and, while I was growing up, it there was a civil war, and um, I just remember my parents were always stressed and stuff. So we we moved to Canada. Me, my my uh, little brother who was like I think just a baby at the time, and my sister was seven, and uh, we moved to Calgary, and that's where I grew up. And uh, I started comedy in Calgary after I dropped out of university, and uh, after that, uh, yeah, I've just been doing. Just stand up and then stand up has opened the world for like acting, writing. Uh it it, like stand up saved me. You know, like it kicked my ass for a for a long time because I was drinking. But yeah. But it, it, it saved me, man. It brought me so much so much of what I have today. So I'm grateful for it.
0: So you remember so you were ages zero to four in El Salvador and you remember that
2: stuff? I remember everything. I remember like running down the street. And like there would be like uh, pigs, you know, like big hogs, uh, yeah. just like rummaging through like garbage cans. And I would like, I would like, you know, run by them and like be so pumped to see them, like these giant hogs. And uh, and then I would I would run to like the busy like little market area, and I would like, uh, I remember like begging for change, even though I didn't have to. I don't know why I did that. Like <laughs> I remember I, I I would just run. And uh, I would like, I would be like, yo, 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 give me a dollar, give me a dollar. I'm a talented dude. I was like a kid, and like you
0: uh, were, you were three years old.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like three, four, something like that. And then uh, I would run to my, uh, to my, to my grandma's diner because she had like a, uh, like a chicken restaurant. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I was just like a, I was a shithead kid, you know, like I would always run away. But, like, not, not, like, dramatically. I would just always go outside and play and just uh, just get into trouble. So, what
0: did you study at university? You said you studied English?
2: Yeah. I was an English yeah. major. Yeah, to what end? Like, what, what
0: were you interested in? What yo, direction
2: did you want to go in? Yo, this is... Uh, I love talking about this. Uh, I was... Uh, uh, I, I was just... I just went to do English because I had nothing else. Like, I just picked it because it seemed like the easiest degree. But then... Uh, I started loving it, like all of it, like uh, African-American literature, Latin American, but I was obsessed with Irish literature. Like I thought it was so <laughs> cool, like uh, like Yates and Joyce. And like, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was really... Uh, uh, one of my favorite poets is uh, uh, Louis McNeese and like the Autumn Journal. And I, I, uh, that's what I wanted to go to school for. I wanted to get my PhD uh, in, in English, specializing in Irish literature, but I wanted to teach... Classes about hip hop.
0: Well what's the relationship for you between Irish literature and hip hop?
2: Well, uh, I, I just thought that it'd be cool that I, like if a guy who like like a Latino guy like me was like that was his specialty. You know, like that that's what got me my PhD, but uh, I just like at the end I wanted to be like a scholar for hip hop, you know? And, and like teach them too.
0: Well, okay. So you've read Joyce? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the things that you just listed are things that I find really impenetrable personally. Like I can't access them. What drew you to
2: that? Oh man, I just uh, what, the the thing that drew me to like uh, Irish literature in the first place was was Yeats. Uh, yeah. Like re- reading their poetry. You know what really got me into it? I, I wrote an essay about Joyce, um, Yeats, and like uh, all those other dudes uh because i i related with them i remember being like yo these guys are white guys but they have a struggle like they want freedom yeah. like they uh they they write about like you know colonization and i was my mind was blown by that i never like that's how ignorant i was that i only thought people of color suffered uh, colonization you know what I mean?
0: Well, it it also shifted. I mean, like there's that right there's that um, sort of period in North American American history where Irish people became white. Same with Italians. Same with Jews. Yeah. We like we like became white, but we weren't originally. And yeah. Now we are.
2: Yeah. And uh, but but I thought that was just so cool that these guys were writing from like from this place of struggle, which I always loved in hip hop. You know what I mean? Like I love yeah. the struggle. Like you'll fight the power. But these dudes. Like we're doing it as well, like, like in the nineteen nine, like, nineteen twenties or whatever it was.
0: What was the first thing that got you into hip hop?
2: Oh man, uh, Dangerous Minds, the movie with uh with uh, Michelle With Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer? Yeah. Yo, <laughs> I love that movie. Um, Coolio, Coolio did the soundtrack and it blew up. Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's from Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds, I haven't seen. I saw if we're talking school movies, my school movie was Stand and Deliver.
2: Oh um, you know, is, that movie's amazing. It's about calculus. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, one of my favorite actors is in it, Edward uh, James Almost.
0: James Olmos, yeah. Yeah. We um we got to watch that movie as uh like a treat in my advanced mathematics class.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's so hard to do.
0: I've never seen Dangerous Minds. Uh, it's incredible. But you saw that and it got you into hip hop?
2: Yeah, because of the the soundtrack. Uh, I actually, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna take that back. Like the movie's actually really bad. Like it's horrible. Like if you go back and watch it, it's like, oh man, this doesn't stand the test of time. But the soundtrack <laughs> okay. was amazing. The soundtrack was amazing. And after after like I, I discovered Coolio, I started like listening to Diddy. Then to Biggie, then to Jay Z, then to Nas, Wu Tang, and I was i have just been obsessed ever since.
0: What are you listening to now?
2: Uh like in the new era, I love—I love Kendrick Lamar, uh, J Cole, Joey Badass. Um, I even like the new guys, like Travis Scott. Uh, I love Drake. I know a lot of people don't like Drake, but I love
0: him. What? Is, okay, I—we've definitely like waded into an area that I know very little about, yeah. but what's up with okay what's up with drake why do people hate him why do people love him i know that you're having to explain it to me and i should know this but
2: i love it yo I, you're, you're you're making my day when i get to teach <laughs> people hip-hop i love it
0: i mean all. not knowing about drake in toronto feels like some sort of religious
2: blasphemy to be quite honest oh <laughs> what does it uh drake drake is uh I, to, like i don't think he's i don't think he's the greatest rapper you know what i mean yeah. Uh but he what he did for Canada is is what makes me love him so much because hip hop has never had a Canadian representative. Either than like Maestro, Fresh West and like right. the Rascals, right? But they never really went mainstream. And not only did Drake go mainstream, Drake like made it to the Mount Rushmore of hip hop. Like people about well, what like... about snow? <laughs> snow! <laughs> Yo, that song was a banger when it came out. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. But he
0: had some weird thing where he had like a criminal record, so he couldn't like tour in the
2: States. Yeah. Apparently he was like an actual like drug dealing type of dude. Something.
0: I don't know. I guess we shouldn't talk about it. He's probably in the
2: city somewhere. I don't know where he is. <laughs> Yo, apparently, apparently he flips houses and he's really successful.
0: He flips houses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good. That's smart. Yeah. Um, how, so right now you were supposed to be on tour, right? Yeah. What was, what's that been like?
2: Uh, it's, it sucks because like I really fell in love with, uh, without East. Uh, yeah. So, sorry, uh, my bad, without West. Like, uh, I've been going to Vancouver a lot and also like, uh, my home province, uh, Alberta. So I I just like, I finally in like 10 years of doing comedy, I know how to make money now. You know what I mean? Like I I can set up a tour by myself. I don't even need Yuck Yucks or the other comedy clubs. I just, I know how to do it now. And I still, I still do those clubs, but like uh, for the most part, it's like independent. So I just, I felt like, I felt like, uh, like I'm becoming a real comedian, like, like a man. You know what I mean? Like I, I I help my family with their bills. Like, so I was pumped to be going out again. This this will, this would have been my second time this year uh going out cuz I cuz I went out right at December and then right. January and then I was going to go again. So um yeah, like I I just, you know, I, w- I was super pumped. So it, it was shitty that I had to cancel everything. I had to cancel my plans. But having said that, like I'm I'm taking isolation and quarantine for all, like all it's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah
0: yeah well this is the thing so this podcast is sort of like overall about hope or something like that I'm not exactly sure but you have always struck me as a really positive person mm-hmm. do you feel that way about yourself
2: um that's a good question like uh me like I always uh, like I'm not even trying to like to my own horn but like I've, I have heard that a lot, and I'm like super yeah. grateful when people say that to me, uh, and like, you know, cause like, I I have learned how to be a better person and like have more compassion and like positivity because of the shit that I went through uh, with my addiction, you know, like I I, I was taught to like, to, to like basically climb out of like, like the like a bottom, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, uh, anytime I can try to teach someone that there's hope, like. Uh, like, I take that opportunity. But having said that, like, I, I'm also still very, like, I still have a lot of my issues, you know what I mean? I'm still human, like, I, uh, I, I even every day I feel like I find something that I have to work on, you know what I mean? And, uh, and yeah. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because, like, I do want to become, like, a better person and a better man to, like, to my family and to, like, my uh, my friends and, like, just my peers in general.
0: Well, you wrote this thing on your blog that I found really, really beautifully written and also really moving about rehab. And I, I don't know if you've probably written multiple things about it, but it was really raw and open and honest. And also, I it made me really think about what this period of time um, might be doing to people struggling with addiction. But I also realized I don't know much about the process of being in rehab.
2: Yeah, so uh, I... I feel like during this quarantine it's it's weird cuz I'm sort of comfortable in it. You know what I mean? Cuz like yeah. during rehab like like I wrote in my blog, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. Like you're isolated, you don't have your phone. Uh you don't you you can't go outside, you know, like you have a curfew, you have your routine. So uh obviously it's not the same as like like the the restrictions aren't the same like I have my phone. And, uh, I'm able to go out or like whatever, but I'm, I'm treating it like it's rehab. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I'm making a routine for myself. I try my best to stay off my phone and, uh, I'm just taking it as an opportunity to learn, you know, to learn about myself and to read and to like, and watch classic films, you know, like I, I, yeah. I I'm really taking this as like a, a moment to like soak stuff in. Cause when I was in rehab that those moments, where my, like, I grew like a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I was forced to grow because if I didn't grow, I would just, yeah, I, I don't know what would have happened.
0: So, what were the tools? What are the tools that you turn to now that keep you kind of on track?
2: Oh, man. Uh, meditation? Hard. I love meditation. Like, uh, me- I've been practicing meditation for like seven years and I finally have been able to get at least, like, two minutes of, like, clarity. You know what I mean? Well, but, I
0: don't because I haven't had the ability to stick with it that long, but <laughs> I want to.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's beautiful, man. But, like, having said that, though, like, there's still, there's still moments where, like, my mind is just like a, a storm. But one of my, like, a lot of my mentors and, like, teachers have taught me that, like, that's fine. That's part of meditation. You know, yeah. Just being able to sit down and just notice that your mind is active, that it's working, like that those thoughts and those feelings are just temporary. They're gonna go away. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it's it's yeah
0: yeah. Sort of bearing witness to yourself is like a huge part of it.
2: Yeah, and that's all it is, really. It's it's just bearing wit. That that's perfect. Like it's bearing witness to you, to the physical self in this moment. That's all it is.
0: So what's your meditative practice? Okay, I ask this because on the podcast so far, we've talked about meditation a lot, but we haven't really gotten into, we haven't really deeply gotten into it. And I've actually had a few listeners write to me saying that they want resources on meditation. I'm like, well, I don't have them. I'm really bad at it. Um, but what's your, so what's your
2: routine or approach to it? So in the, in the morning, I, I uh, before I, I look at my phone uh, or, or do anything. First of all, I go drink a glass of water, right? Because yeah, because like uh, I, I read, I read somewhere that when you're sleeping, your body like naturally dehydrates, right? Mm-hmm. So um, before you meditate, you always want to like give yourself a chance, you know, to to like be like nourished or whatever, right? So I, I go drink a glass of water, and then um, I, I make my bed. Uh, I'll brush my teeth, and then I go to my made bed. And I'll sit at the edge of it. And then I just close my eyes and start focusing on my breath. Like, it going in and then it going out. And then I start focusing on, like, how long the breaths are. And then, uh, for some reason, like, the, the, the sound of me breathing calms me down. And I can just, like, shut my mind. So it's like, shut it off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's really cool. Where did
0: this... Where did this practice start for you? In
2: in rehab. It was given to you there, like you learned from somebody? Yeah, yeah. Cause like uh during during like um like the day there would be classes and one of the classes would be a meditation class.
0: And the making your bed in the morning definitely feels like a rehab sort of routine setting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's very like militant. Like you had to uh and you had to like look nice at all times. Yeah. So that's why I always wear amazing glasses. You do wear amazing blouses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that what they encourage in rehab? That you look like pretty?
2: Yeah. Well, no, no, like just uh, <laughs> uh presentable.
0: Right. Oh man, I feel like well, that's interesting because I feel like right now, I don't know, are, are people are really reveling in being off the hook from that?
2: Yeah. But- yeah, like pajama pants and all that. But like, you know what? Even I, I'm not wearing my blouses and like my dope clothes uh indoors. But I'm still wearing like pretty sick jogging suits. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yesterday I stayed in the same clothes all day and it like what that I slept in and it didn't feel good. Yeah. I mean it felt good. Actually, no, it did feel good in a way. But then today (laughs) I I got I put on an actually I've I've noticed that I've been doing this for these interviews. I get dressed up like I'm going to work.
2: (laughs) Yo, that's amazing though. It's cool because it, it, it gets you like ready for that, you know? You get ready for the zone, for the vibe.
0: Um, what else have you been learning in isolation? You said you've been working
2: out more? Oh my God, yo. I've been like, I've been making it my my goal to be as jacked as Tupac when, when he gets out of prison. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting so jacked and I love it.
0: You were already pretty like muscular
2: but but here i'm doing it like a new like level like i I, i'm i'm pretending i'm it's 25 to life you know what i mean
0: (laughs) well what do you but are you do you have weights what do you do what are you using
2: i just uh i have a pull-up bar and uh i have some resistance bands okay and uh that's it that's it really uh I, i i have like some books that i like that i put in a bag and then i i like improvise like bicep curls and all that but when i was in rehab that's another thing like they taught me how to do prison workouts because a lot of those guys were like ex-cons so uh and we never had a gym in there so they just taught us how to do that shit like w- with your body
0: yeah like your own resistance training
2: yeah
0: have, have i mean it sounds like you're doing really well have you felt any more struggle with sobriety during this time
2: no no thank god thank god yeah uh uh, I I haven't had like uh, the urge or the craving to drink because I think it's just I'm 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 gonna I'm coming up on a year um, mm-hmm. on the 9th of June, so wow. I feel like very strong, you know what I mean. But there has been like some tests, you know, like some things, like personal stuff that have sort of like made me question things, but. I've just been, like, trying to stay positive and, like, talking to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I saw that post you made. I've seen them others from friends because I just think in this time people are reacting very differently to being alone. Yeah. And I think for some people it's – I mean, we know liquor sales are up.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, we just know that. And every time I go out, there's a huge line at the liquor store. Um, for those listening who aren't Canadian, like the liquor stores here are government run. So there they aren't just like on every corner like they are in the States. So it's weird. It's like people lining up kind of like for a soup kitchen, it looks like, but
2: it's for booze. And, and it's crazy to me because like, that, that's how like grateful I am uh, in recovery because a person like me, like a, the, the type of guy who I've been for a majority of my life, I should be lined up at seven a.m. every morning when they open. You know what I mean? Oof. But, but I I am not. I don't even have like the slightest desire to go to the LCBO. You know what I'm saying? Which is yeah, like yeah, and like I hate to like sound religious or anything, but like to me that's a miracle. It's like oh shit, like I'm not even, I'm not even in the in the zone of going there. You know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah.
0: What, what brought you to that point or this point that you're at now? Do you have any idea?
2: Um, <laughs> you know, again, I hate, I hate sounding like religious or preaching. Oh, just, just do it. Just preach. <laughs> but, but straight up, it was God. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm not talking about like a, like a, like a religious, like Christian or whatever, whatever, like entity type of thing. Like, I'm just talking about like how my mom loves me no matter what, uh, like no matter the the amount of times i've made that woman cry or like or i've put her through like agony like she always loves me you know and like and and like realizing that when i met like that's one of the things i meditated on right and i, I realized that it's like oh shit like there's a, there's like good out there you know what i mean like no matter how yeah. fucked up this world is there's something out there that like that that is unconditional You know, like no matter how bad humanity or like society can be, like there's still there's still a a form of like forgiveness and love and compassion out there. And my mom, my parents, my my dad as well, like they both taught me that. So like I I just had to learn how to do that with myself. And that to me is like God. And and it's very simple. You know what I mean? But it's the hardest thing in the world because we're so we're so tuned to doing something else. You know what I mean? To go yeah, the simple way. is
0: really, really hard. Simple is the hardest thing sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's the hard, it's the hardest thing you can do. But yeah, I'm just trying my best to like, to, to take care of others, but to always remember to take care of myself first or else like, it's pointless.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting hard one. That's one that I've been struggling with because it feels selfish to take care of myself first.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I always like um I I used to go to AA meetings and they always used to say yeah. that they're like you have to be selfish. Uh but I always hated the wording of that, you know? Yeah. Right? And and now I think of it a different way. I'm always like uh it, it's not that you're being selfish, it's like you're and this is where I I'm going to sound super preachy. But uh
0: like I said, like we got to ditch the Canadian apologies. I think it's great.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> fuck yeah. So, you uh uh, you taking care of yourself isn't being selfish. It's you're doing your duty to to whatever the fuck puts you on this earth. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. you taking care of yourself is like uh, it's like somebody taking care of their car. You know what I mean? That their dad bought them, right? Like like you're you're like you're you're taking care of your temple. You know what I mean? Like that's your duty. Like that's your that's your job, right? Like you like life is so short you know what I'm saying like yeah so like uh, to me it's not selfish it's like oh no this is that's your job right like you're just doing a good job when you when you take care of yourself
0: yeah it's and it's interesting this sort of like apologizing for being preachy but these are all really positive messages that we need to hear I think we need to maybe stop apologizing about The really important stuff we have to say that sounds cheesy like life is a gift because it fucking is
2: oh and and that's another thing too i'm glad that you i'm glad that you said that because like it's true like i live this life you know what i mean like i live this like I, i love spiritual shit uh i love god like i love my mom and like all this unconditional love and like for me to like uh to to, like, fear that I'm sounding too preachy. I feel like it's, like, it's it's fearing myself. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you said people call you positive. These are the elements of your positivity. And I think it's important that you're not, like, you know, handing out pamphlets and making people come to your church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, th- that's where the line is. If people are, like, dragging you to the- into their religion, that's, like, maybe yeah. I- I'm not
2: as into that. Yeah, 1,000. <laughs> 1,000. And and that's the thing, right? That's uh, a, a lot of people, comics especially, they always ask me, they're like, Oh man, I never knew you were religious. And I'm like, No, man, I'm the opposite of religion. Cause like religion is like uh, it's it's almost like it's forcing you to follow their ideals, you know? Right. Whereas in spirituality, what I what I wanna preach to you is that like you gotta find it your own way. You know? There's like there's a path specifically designed for you. Like, enlightenment is subjective. Like, it, no one, there's not one way to do it. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. that's, I'll be honest with you. Like, I wanna, I, I wanna, like, um, I, not go back to school and, and get my social work stuff, but I, I wanna, I wanna, like, go in a field that way. I wanna go in that direction and help other people like me who, like, suffer from addiction and mental illness and, like, and, and, and teach them that yo man like there's a science behind why you are the way you are and like if we work together like we can we can fix this
0: well do you do you not feel like you do a little bit of that with your comedy practice uh
2: be, well because I'm hard on myself I don't think I'm there yet but that is my goal for sure
0: like that's where you want to take your comedy work
2: yeah like I want I want to uh, like be as raw and open. As like Richard Pryor was, but like obviously Richard Pryor had his demons, right? So uh I I wanna be as raw as Richard was, but without like cocaine and like drugs being my fuel.
0: Right. Well eventually he had to stop and I guess Yeah. He went he went through a lot of different <laughs> phases. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I think when I think of that work, I think of Maria Bamford. Oh yeah? have you yeah i mean she addresses her own mental illness in an extremely honest way in her work and and i watched it being like holy shit someone's talking about this shit shit that i've been through and seen
2: yo i i lo- i saw maria bramford uh in calgary and she was so yeah. she was amazing but yeah that's funny that you say that because i always like just see her style as like as like silly and like you know like sort of like uh zach alefanakis but like A lot of people have told me that that like she's like, she she's like uh, a beacon of light in the sense that like she's making fun of herself like and her her silliness and her weirdness.
0: Well, yeah, and also to be a to be a woman and to like talk about your mental illness like women have to really act normal all the time because men can, especially white men, can like be angry and kick and scream and they get elected president, you know. they act like assholes and they're on the supreme court but like women get upset about anything and they're like she's unstable yeah (laughs) like so it's it's like braver than it looks (laughs) what she's doing
2: oh one thousand percent um i uh i've had a lot of lessons when it comes to that you know what i mean like uh one thing one thing that i fucking hate i can't stand uh as like like that i'm maturing now is when when guys will tell me that a girl's crazy yeah Yeah,
0: well everyone's crazy
2: (laughs) yeah and that's the thing right it's like uh and it'll be stupid like stupid shit like oh this girl this girl wants to go on another date she's crazy you know (laughs) and it's like what the fuck man like because i don't know I, i i've been like looking at myself uh more deeply and i'm like yo i'm crazy i'm like super crazy like i'll tell someone i love them uh genuinely you know what i mean and like i'm not talking about like romantic movie love i mean mean like i'll see someone for how dope they are and i'll be like oh man i love you you know and like uh that's
0: not crazy is it
2: well i i don't think it is but i feel like i feel like we're not there yet as a society right Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually watch how much I tell people I love them because yeah. it's so loaded. But yeah. I'm like, whatever. I'm already married to this guy and I'm allowed to love a lot of. I think it's important. Like, stifling the love that we have and for it to always be perceived as romantic or sexual feels messed up. We need to love each other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. 1,000.
0: Well, I feel that from you. I feel like you put out a ton of love. And, and it's that's
2: wonderful. The, the, you know, have you ever read uh, Dr. Gabor Mate?
0: Uh, I went to summer camp with his kids.
2: Did you really?
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually noticed that you quote him in that article that you wrote.
2: Yeah, I fucking love him.
0: Okay. But, Do you have anything off the top of your head?
2: Like that, daddy? he writes?
0: Yeah, of his that stuck with you?
2: Yeah, um, the one that got me the most, uh, that, that I think about a lot is, uh, his, uh, I I don't, I don't think it's a theory. I think he's just straight up saying it, but that um, all, all addictions like mental health, all stuff like that, it's not about what the device is. You know what I mean? It's not about yeah. heroin, it's not about whatever, whatever, whatever you choose to do to cope. It's all about trauma, right? So and, and trauma can like result uh, at a very young age from like the most uh, like simple things as like somebody calling you ugly, to crazy things like you you got raped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So it it can, it can go from the lowest spectrum like to the most high. You know what I mean? But your mind is so fragile as a kid that it it'll it'll hold on to that. So if somebody says something as simple as like you're ugly to a little kid like you, I don't know or like uh, it, it, if a person doesn't feel love or like they they are being loved that is going to, like, trigger, um, uh, addictive tendencies, you know? And, and, and it's, it's, it's scary. It's scary yeah. because, like, I don't know, like, uh, I, I always was looking to blame my parents for, like, because they were always gone, you know what I mean? And, because uh, they were working, like, they had to work, like, they would clean buildings from, like, the morning till night. We would never see yeah. them, like, my older sister would raise us. And, uh... When I was like, you know, being a good like Catholic kid or whatever, I never I always respected my parents. I still do to this day. But reading that book, like it made me like accept that that wasn't a good environment for a kid to grow up in. Even though my parents never meant that, like they weren't doing that on purpose. They were doing that because they had to feed us. You know what I mean? So like one of the greatest things that I, I wrote in that blog is that like. Don't blame my parents. I don't blame them. If you want to blame anyone, blame the system. You know? Yeah. Blame blame uh, the the civil war in El Salvador. Blame the U.S. government for making it more violent than it already was. Like nobody wanted to leave El Salvador and come to Canada. Like my that was yeah. the last thing my parents wanted to do. You know what I mean? So like I don't know. It just took away a lot of the blame and. Um, I just accepted that, like, I had trauma, and I can either be a victim of it or uh, I can, like, work to make myself better. And uh, God willing, man, I can help other people who who went through that because I know there's so many like Latin families who like who suffer from that like unspoken trauma. Yeah, because they all had to go through that.
0: Do you feel like in you was there like? Do you feel a masculine thing that made it harder to admit that you had trauma? Uh,
2: Yeah, I think that for sure. But also, like, I love my parents so much that... Right. Uh, like, the the thought of uh, blaming them, I suppressed the fuck out of that. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Like, we can still... We can still be hurt and they can still love you unconditionally. And these things can both exist together.
2: Yeah. 1000. Right. So I just felt very like torn. I'm like, Oh, am I a bad son? If I, if I, if I think these things, but like what Gabor Mate is teaching you is that like, no, you're not like you're just, you're, you're getting to the root of your problem. And like uh, a lot of the times the root of your problem is never your fault. It's just, circumstances of society and environment that's it
0: well yeah and we're looking at a period now where i mean things are not they could be a lot better in canada but looking to the south it's just it's going to be a
2: generation of horrors like that oh 100 and like uh scary what's yeah and what's even more frightening about that is that like I can't even imagine if I had to go through my addiction stuff in the States because here, here in Canada, there's help, you know, and Canada is not perfect, obviously, but yeah. at, at least there's healthcare, you know? And like, uh, I was able to go to rehab without like having to pay crazy amounts. Like you would have to in the States.
0: I know. And in the States, it's also become like, it's become its own economy. So there almost isn't, there are situations where it's, better to keep people addicted
2: well that's the thing that's another thing it's in the, in the so book. messed up <laughs> that's another thing in the book too right is that uh, dr Gaber matt talks about is that he says that we need to stop the war on drugs because the war on drugs is only fueling the war you know like uh, we're investing in jails and like disciplining uh people who need to be taken care of you know what I mean you know it's
0: You know, what's interesting. So, uh, I haven't actually brought this up yet on the podcast, but I recently read an article, uh, CBC Vancouver reporting that they're finally allowing safe supply of like opioid drugs to addicts in Vancouver. And it's one of those things where it's kind of amazing because it's like, Oh, my neighbor kids are running around in the hallway. (laughs) It's kind of, (laughs) they're great. It's kind of amazing. Um, like these are the, these are the transformations like the lakeshore being just shut down for only bicycles and things like that these are the transformations that hopefully we can keep out of this but then on the other hand it's also really hard not to look back and go why did it take all this time for this to happen you
2: and, know and the thing too like that that he dwells into is like uh, it took such a long time even in Canada because like literally the government loses money when people get help there there's like companies that that thrive off of people going to jail like simple things too like 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 a like a uh like a pregnant crack addict uh gets gets arrested rather than being put into rehab you know what i mean and here like is that in the is that in gabber Mate's work uh like what do you mean like to to stop that
0: no i mean like the acknowledge like understanding that our economy is based on that because that's actually something as a Canadian I haven't thought about.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not as bad as the states. Like the states is fucked because uh, they just don't get that. You know what I mean? Like they 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 are not like working to like uh, recovery and rehab. They they just want to incriminate people. Where but in Vancouver, uh, like they're like like things are getting better. Like the prime rate, like I think went down. But, but then there's still like politicians who are fighting that. They're like, no, we don't need this. This is like helping addicts isn't going to do anything, but it's like, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. Also the people who kind of treat like welfare addiction, like, like, why are we paying people to not work and party? It's like the party goes away very quickly. These are not people who are partying.
2: (laughs) Exactly. 100%. Like these people are like, you know, they're coping with stuff, they're suffering.
0: Yeah. And then the addiction hits a point very quickly, especially with opioids, where you're not having any fun anymore. You just you need medication to stay not sick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, the
2: thing, man. That's so scary.
0: Yeah, it's very scary. Well, that I mean, I had big concerns about the downtown east side in Vancouver because I was just like, what's happening now? People's addictions don't turn off when society does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, uh, that's what I well, while I was reading the book. I'm like, oh, shit, I wonder what's happening over there. Well, all
0: kinds of stuff is the answer.
2: Yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and even here in Toronto, like, I haven't been downtown at all. I live, I live like, north of Bloor, so.
0: Well, I, oh, wow, well, I'm in Parkdale, and it's been interesting because, like, early on in the lockdowns, this guy kind of shuffled past me, and he's wearing, like, you know, no shoes and and stuff, and I don't know, you know, obviously, I don't know what his story is, but he just walked past me, and... I was like coming home from getting groceries on my grocery day with a mask on and just sort of looked at me with hazy eyes. And I was like, whoa, I don't know about him, but certainly there are people in this city who are witnessing all this through a haze of drugs or illness who don't know what's going on. Yeah. No one's told them. They're not listening to the news. It just sort of gave me a moment of thinking like this whole other world is existing here. Yeah. Like
2: not knowing what's happening. (laughs)
0: Well, and like all this stuff around is just to I, it's like a it's like an extension of a nightmare world, yeah or a hallucination or something,
2: yeah, yeah, one thousand
0: anyway, did we solve any problems
2: <laughs> yo, I love this talk, it was so good, man,
0: yeah, me too I um it was beautiful. well, where can people find your work? Have you been doing stuff online? You don't have to, but
2: uh yeah i I've been like posting stuff on uh on Instagram, uh, like like little funny videos. Uh, at, at, so that's at No Champagne Poppy. also right? on my Twitter that no one looks at, <laughs> and uh, my 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 blog, MaritoLopez.WordPress.com.
0: Cool. And how much are you writing in the blog?
2: Oh man, I I try I try to write um, like a an article or whatever every week, but that's. Sim- I yeah, fucked up this have. week.
0: I fucked up. You didn't. No, you didn't fuck up. You just didn't do it.
2: Yeah, I just didn't do it. Well, like, I, I have been doing it, but uh, I'm taking my time with this one. I'm writing an article about Jay-Z.
0: Okay. Well, you, and also, I mean, I'm ch- saying this as much to myself is like, we have to remember that our, we we didn't fuck up if our productivity dropped off during a global pandemic.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thousand.
0: This is just cognitive behavioral therapy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, dude. Well, I really miss you.
2: Yeah, I miss you too, man. I miss, I missed like when, when you would be smoking, uh, and I would be, have my cigar and we just like have our little chats. That was the best.
0: I know. Yeah. yeah. I miss, I miss just gatherings. <laughs> yeah. I guess I miss people. Yeah. All right. Bye buddy. Bye. Right. Peace. The H-Word Podcast is a proud member of the SHOP family of productions. Follow the SHOP on Instagram at Shop underscore TO. Artwork this week by Claire Milne, and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H-Word Pod, or sign up for our newsletter at thehwordpod.com.